Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ray, nakumayin. So recently, tumambay ako sa rooftop ng isang mataas na building. Paghapon kasi, ang gandang tumambay kasi makikita mo yung sunset sa Manila Bay. Kaso, pagtingin ko sa horizon, yung between Manila and Bataan, may malaking tipak ng lupa. So, bakit ayot ng view? Oo, oh, nakita ko rin yan, Cherry. Kasi nung nag-sofital ako last year, para tingnan yung famed sunset bago umalis ng Pilipinas, nagulat ako kasi ang daming construction equipment, tapos may mga barge and ship. Yung pala, may reclamation project ng ginagawa. Oo nga, Mayen. Ang dami ngang reclamation project sa Manila Bay Area ngayon. In fact, last year, 19 yung nireport ng Department of Environment and Natural Resources o DENR during a Senate hearing. Meron pa nga groups na nagsasabing aabot to ng 30 projects eh. So kapag natuloy at natapos lahat ng to, ano namang infrastructure sa matatayo? Goodbye sunset na nga ba? Goodbye rin ba sa mga species na nakatira doon? Pati na rin sa kabuhayan ng mga kababayan natin, lalo na ang mga mangingisda. So, for this episode, let's focus on reclamation projects and how they affect the environment and what the government is doing in balancing economic development and environmental protection. Ako si Chey Madriaga. At ako naman si Mayan Vital. At welcome sa Usapang Econ Podcast. Ang Usapang Econ Podcast ay proyekto ng mga batang ekonomista na naglalayong gawing mas fun, relatable, and understandable ang economics. This episode is sponsored by Open Society Foundations, the world's largest private funder working to build vibrant and inclusive democracies and powered by Puma Podcast. May at least 187 reclamation projects all over the country. Ayon ito sa master list ng Philippine Reclamation Authority o PRA. Ito ay approved, pending o ongoing na. Examples sa mga reclamation projects sa Pilipinas ay yung Bulacan Aerotropolis or the New Manila International Airport. Pati na rin yung the Manila Waterfront City Reclamation Project at ang Dumaguete Smart City. Tapos Cherry, nasabi mo nga at least... Hindi pa dito counted yung mga hindi dumaan sa tamang proseso, yung mga walang assessment, at mga hindi nakakuha ng necessary permits. Andami no? Pero wait, ano muna nga ba ang reclamation? Tinanong namin si Jem Castillo, the National Director of the Economy and Environment Group Philippines, isang grupo ng experts working on economic and environmental issues. Parte ng kanyang expertise ay ang pag-assess ng costs at benefits ng mga proyekto. Kasama na rin dito ang critical habitats of Manila Bay. Pag sinabi natin reclaiming is actually building land in coastal areas, especially raising up land using dredge material or quarry materials from some other places. Pag sinabi natin dredging, 
what happens is doon sa site where a reclamation is being proposed is what they will do is basically take up earth materials or sand from under the sea and then build it up in a particular place where they have identified for reclamation. The other source of material for reclamation is sa mga quarry areas. So it can be sourced either from the seabed or it can be sourced from inland, especially in mga areas that they want to be cleared for purposes of further infrastructure development. Essentially, um, reclamation is increasing or expanding land for other economic activities like infrastructures. From the description, Mayan, naririnig na agad natin yung mga potential harmful effects niya. Lalo, may disturbance pa nangyayari both in the land and the sea. So, dump and fill ka lang talaga ng lupa. Totoo. Pero bakit ang daming ganitong projects? Ano bang mga pwedeng maging benefits ng reclamation? Ang um, reclamation kasi, of course, it generates employment. It provides expanded economic activities. For example, if you have heard that one company is already starting up in coming up with a new international airport somewhere in Bulacan. If they're building an airport somewhere in Bulacan, close to the coast, that means they have to do some reclamation. So that means na it is actually providing economic opportunities for people in nearby areas, in the province of Bulacan particularly, kasi ang requirement niyan is basically if you are setting up a business, part of your employment and uh, manpower should come from local. So that means it will generate employment. Hmm. Actually, no, maraming bansa na ang gumagawa ng reclamation kasi talagang lumalaki ang demand for land resources. Tulad na lang nung The Palm Jumeirah na matatagpuan sa Dubai. Ah, alam ko to. Ito yung naka-shape na parang foundry, di ba? Oo, Cherry. Yan yung nag-generate ng millions of dollars in profit dahil sa tourism, retail shopping, and residential leasing. Ganun rin yung sa Marina Bay sa Singapore. Sikat yun with tourists and locals alike kasi may business district. At dun rin may kita yung famed gardens by the bay. Ang kagandahan naman sa Marina Bay, eh dapat yung mga developments doon, may greenery replacement policy sila. So, doon kailangan palitan yung nawalang greenery or vegetation sa site kung saan ka nag-develop at maglagay ka sa areas na kinakailangan. Right, Cherry. Sa case naman ng Netherlands, matagal na nilang issue yung changing coastlines because of erosion and flooding. Kasi yung bansa na yun, it's below sea level. Kaya ang reclamation project ay isa sa mga solusyon. They also have plans na gawing nature reserves yung ibang reclaimed areas. So yun, reclamation can spur economic activities, more businesses, expand settlements, generate employment, and protect the population. Sounds good, di ba? But at what cost? Ito ulit si Jim. First of all, yung reclaimed land is of course not as solid as compared to inland especially yung matagal ng mga lupa. And it will take years to stabilize. So it's not easily used for building infrastructures, na heavy infrastructures. So it's not even economical to set up tall buildings. And so you will notice doon sa Manila Bay, yung may mga reclaimed areas, especially yung part ng Rojas Boulevard, dinediscourage ang tall buildings because hindi stable and hard as hard yung lupa doon. In fact, there are already indications na may mga nagkakrak even doon sa may Mall of Asia. And also, setting up yung foundations is very expensive. If you create a reclamation, it increases mobility and traffic. And so you will notice na pagdating doon sa Pasay area, 
heavy on traffic because and daming land development and so it creates a lot of disruptions and the more importantly reclamation kung mapapansin niyo it really transform the coast so that means na any other economic activity is already replaced so for instance if you have reclaimed land and used to be an area na yon is a fishing ground or a place for economic activities ng communities if you reclaim it mawawala yung livelihood nila ang claim is that they can be employed doon sa reclaimed areas. But of course, ang issue dyan is, do they have the manpower ability to be employed in those reclaimed areas? Ang major issues pagdating sa reclamation, especially ng mga environmental groups, is we're losing our natural environment and we're losing the benefits from this natural environment, which includes ecotourism, yung mga spiritual values, habitats. May kwento ulit ako. Noong nasa Japan ako, tumawa si Typhoon Jebby. At nabasa ko sa balita na tamaan niya si Kansai Airport. So, for info lang, si Kansai Airport, first airport built on man-made island. At nag-open siya noong 1994. Anyway, so ayun nga, noong 2018, tumama yung bagyo. At sa lakas niya, at dahil sa baha, napilitan mag-close yung airport. Pati nga yung engines ng mga aircraft na damay sa baha. At mga 3,000 passengers yung hindi makaalis at ilang days rin bago sila nag-recover. Hmm, nabasa ko nga nagsisink siya. So, di ba kailangan nilang iangat yung island to prevent flooding? Again, hindi ito yung first time na ipipave ulit nila. And I think doing that is very costly. What if it happens again? Especially ngayon, lumalala na ang mga typhoons because of the changing climate. Okay. So, balik tayo sa Pilipinas. Paano naman kaya ang Manila Bay? Na-mention natin sa introduction na at least 19 reclamation projects meron sa area na to. Tinanong rin ulit natin si Jem, ano bang role ng Manila Bay at bakit ito mahalaga sa atin? It used to be the spawning ground of pelagic fishes that goes out of Manila Bay and into waters outside that's benefiting fishers. Pelagic fish are fish that live in the open waters of the coasts and seas. Examples nito ay yung hasa-hasa, bisugo, and sardines. Quite a number of communities are actually using Manila Bay for fisheries. So, all kinds of species, and it's also habitat for a number of wildlife. In our study, doon sa the economics of ecosystem and biodiversity, our ecologists actually identified quite a spread of fly birds, meaning uh, migratory birds that's making Manila Bay as transit areas for these fly birds and also local bird species. And of course, the ENR listed quite a number of beach areas for recreation in Manila Bay. So uh, quite a number of areas have tourism, resorts, and the other important uses of Manila Bay is for navigation. So as you know, may malaking ports tayo doon So, ang Manila Bay is actually a navigation for marine trade and so on. Over the years, dahil nga ang dami-daming developments, lumiliit na yung spawning area of fish. Sabi nga ng Bureau of Fisheries and Aquatic Resources o BIFAR, nakakabahala na kapag pinagpatuloy yung activity sa fisheries habitat sa Manila Bay. Malaki kasi ang kabawasan nito sa fisheries biodiversity. 
Hi, nako, totoo, Cherry. Nakita ko nga sa isang report published by the Inquirer, maraming malalaking vessels recently ang nakikita sa fishing grounds ng local fishermen. Ayon din dun sa report, ito ay dahil sa quarrying and dredging sa seafloor, kung saan nage-extract sila ng wet sand, mud, and silt, kaya nadidisturb yung marine ecosystem sa area. Kaya nga, Mayem eh. Ang daming mangingisda nga ang nagre-reklamo kasi imbis na makapangisda sila ng mas malapit sa coastline, eh, lalayo pa sila. Ang gastos-gastos nun ha, kasi magkoconsume ka ng mas maraming fuel. Yung time pa going to and from the middle of the bay, mas matagal. At aside from dwindling fish resource, isa pang problema ng Manila Bay, ang tumidumi niya. Lalo na kapag bumabagyo o pag malakas ang hangin at ulan. Sabi nga ni Jem, yung mataas na paggalaw ng alon o yung tinatawag niyang wave action, mapapansin mo talaga yung shore, nagkakalat na yung basura. Mga plastic items, pet bottles, disposable diapers, at kung ano-ano pa. Ah, kadiri. So yun talaga yung causes ng toxicity at poison sa Manila Bay. Kaya naman yung government, nagkaroon ng proposal to rehabilitate Manila Bay. Like to the level na dapat pwede ka nang lumangoy safely. A decade ago, because of the issues of pollution and unregulated waste disposal sa Manila Bay, nagkaroon na mandamos for all government agencies to restore and rehabilitate Manila Bay. By mandamus, ang ibig sabihin nito ay court order. And in this case, issued by the Supreme Court in 2008. So that means all concerned agencies, the NR, the DPWH, the OST, all national government agencies have been mandated by the government to provide resources to restore Manila Bay. Noong January 2019, diniklare ng DENR ang umpisa ng Manila Rehabilitation at the Baywalk in Manila. Ang goals ng program nito ay first, linisin at improve yung water quality ng Manila Bay. Second, ay i-rehabilitate yung lumang sewer lines ng Metro Manila at i-relocate yung mga informal settlers. And third is education and sustainment. Hindi mawawala sa usapan natin itong infamous Manila Bay Project or yung Dolomite Beach. Actually, part to ng previous administration's overall program on the rehabilitation of Manila Bay. Under dito yung beach nourishment at coastal restoration ng Manila Bay Walk Area. Hay naku main, ang controversial ng project na yan. Hindi lang dahil kasi nag-start yung construction nung height ng COVID-19 pandemic yan. Okay, fine. In terms of aesthetics, na-fulfill naman niya? Maybe? But other than that, ano pa bang benefits yung nakuha natin? Quite a number of scientists have already published their opinions doon sa Dolomites sa Manila Bay. Is it beneficial? It has some benefits, but I think from my perspective, the costs outweigh the benefits. Kasi unang-una, you have to continually maintain it and yet nagiging trash during rainy seasons. Of course, typically yun sa Manila Bay talaga. But mas mataas ang cost ng kanyang maintenance dahil kailangan mo siyang dagdagan ulit o kaya ilinisin ulit. Whereas it should have been cleaned regularly instead of uh, adding more quarry material. Ang quarry material niya kasi is galing sa Cebu. So imagine uh, the high cost of transporting it, quarrying from Cebu and bringing it to Manila Bay. 
But of course, uh, many people, especially yung mga locals doon sa site, they enjoy it because they have a wider space, uh, especially doon sa mga dense residential areas. Yung Dolomite is a good place for them. But government-wise, ang taas ng cost niya, ng maintenance cost ng Dolomite. And we don't even know yet kung ano yung impact niya doon sa different habitats. Hmm, okay, maraming bumibisita kasi nga at the surface level, magandang ang tignan. But this also proves how desperate we are for green and open spaces. Sayang dahil next time na siguro natin makakover yung topic na to. Pero yun nga, kahit anong rehabilitate mo sa Manila Bay, kung hindi naman ma-address yung root causes, eh paulit-ulit na lang magiging issue natin. <laughs> Totoo yan. Plus, if we really want to rehabilitate Manila Bay, bakit napakaraming reclamation sa area? Will these dump-and-fill projects not worsen the conditions there? So earlier, napag-usapan na natin yung mga benefits at costs ng reclamation. Since malaki yung impact nito sa environment and even the livelihood of the people, kailangan pumasok si government para ma-regulate at masiguradong ma-minimize yung negative impacts nila. And specifically for reclamation, ang PRA or Philippine Reclamation Authority ang responsible sa pag-integrate, coordinate, at i-direct ang lahat ng reclamation projects on behalf of the President. Ito ay nakabase sa Presidential Decree Number 1084. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, the Philippine Reclamation Authority has two major functions. One is development. And the other one is regulation, meaning when you say development is providing economic activities through reclamation. But at the same time, they are also a regulatory agency to be sort of regulating reclamation activities in the country. Ang identification ng reclamation site begins with PRA. But of course, there are actually proponents coming from other government entities. Nabasa ko rin, Mayan, sa isang article ng Rappler last September na most of the reclamation projects ang nagli-lead ay local government units or LGUs. Meron pa nga private companies eh. And before uh, reclamation can be undertaken, bibigyan sila ng ECC, Environmental Compliance Certificate. Ang Environmental Compliance Certificate o ECC ay isang dokumentong ini-issue ng DENR. Kinukumpirma nito na ang proyekto ay hindi nagdudulot na matinding negatibong epekto sa environment. And then after that, it's done. I-review ng PRA ulit yun. Tapos kung doon sa board ng PRA, if it's approved, ipapasa siya sa president for final approval yung reclamation project. And then of course, once na natapos na yung reclamation project, 
it goes through the process again of issuance of a title, original certificate of title to the developer. But here is where it becomes a little bit controversial. Pagdating sa identification ng sites ng reclamation, it's the PRA. So, pag sinabi ng PRA ito, i-reclaim namin, they will now communicate with DNR and say, undertake sort of an assessment of the site, yung kanyang possibility for reclamation. Nagiging issue na kasi sabi ko, nag-identify na kagad sila ng reclamation site na ang target is pursuing towards development na. And yet, next stage pa, papasok ang DNR to review. Like for example, uh, they will require environmental impact assessment. Ang Environmental Impact Assessment or EIA ay parte ng proseso upang makuha ang ECC. Ito ay ang masusing pag-aaral ng impact ng proyekto sa lahat ng aspeto tulad ng biophysical, chemical, social, economic, and cultural environment. Kaya dapat inaalam kung sino at papaano maapektuhan ng mga komunidad. Ang regulatory part ng PRA is not fully developed kasi ang karamihan ng regulatory function is actually in partnership with the ENR. Mas dominant ang kanyang revenue generation component, which is the development aspect, rather than the regulatory. And so, ang nangyayari, especially doon sa mga contracted to do environmental impact assessment, is towards favoring reclamation. In other words, ang ideal situation ay si PRA ay dapat objective sa potential areas for reclamation. So dito mayen meaning ang tanong ay saan nararapat mag-reclaim. Pero ang nangyayari kasi, nag-identify na siya agad ng area for reclamation. So ang nagiging direction ng assessment ay gaano ba ka-okay ang area na ito for reclamation? So parang biased siya sa isang location no? at pinupush niya na i-reclaim ang land doon. Ang naging isang controversy dito is that, for instance, yung Las Piñas Paranaque Critical Habitat Area is actually a reclaimed area, but nagkaroon na siya ng mga mangroves. But it was declared as a wetland, na meaning for preservation. Ang Las Piñas Paranaque Critical Habitat or the Las Piñas Paranaque Wetland Park ay isang protected area sa coast ng Las Piñas at Paranaque. Kasi... May proposal ang PRA for a reclamation that is actually within that area. So may mga challenges and so that was one of the trigger to conduct an assessment kung ano yung trade-offs ng having a reclamation versus maintaining it as a conservation area. Ang isa sa mga naging assessment namin, particularly doon sa EIA, that's why we are pushing for it, is hindi well-crafted ang benefit-cost analysis. Ang cost-benefit analysis naman, tinitingnan kung ano ang mas malaki. Yung ginagastos ba o yung magiging gain sa project kapag na-implement. Ang problema sa mga ganitong analysis, hindi na consider ang environment dahil mahirap silang lagyan ng monetary value. And that's the reason why we conducted that economics of ecosystem and biodiversity. Ang objective niya is really basically saying that we are putting a value of nature so that it will be included in policy and decisions. Okay, so that's the process. But wait, Mayan, saan naman papasok ang public dito? Diba dapat for government projects may announcement for public consultations kung saan mai-invite ang stakeholders para magbigay ng comments and suggestions? Good question, Cherry. Consultations are actually part of the whole process in securing the ECC. 
Tinanong natin si Jem what happens to stakeholder consultations for reclamation projects. Ang napansin ko is one time lang yung consultation. Walang sinasabi kung magkakaroon ng second consultation. Like for example, paano pag kalibawa doon sa consultation may mga issues that were brought up and that will need further evaluation. Eh wala nang second consultation. Hindi naman nakita ng mga stakeholders kung nagawa ba talaga yung evaluation na yun. Nakaka-frustrate naman, Mayan. Yung isang consultation lang, tapos wala nang follow-up to address issues and concerns? Oo, oo, Cherry. Maraming ganyang cases dito sa Pilipinas. For example, yung sa Cebu, tuloy-tuloy ang reclamation projects. Sabi nga ng isang fisher folk group, yung pagkakaisa ng mga samahan ng mangingisda, matagal nang hindi kinoconsult ang mga small-scale fishers sa mga ganitong projects. Eh, sila nga tong isa sa pinaka naaapektohan. Pero hindi man lang tinatanong yung opinion nila. Meron pa mayan, yung sa airport complex sa Bulacan or the Bulacan Aerotropolis, isa lang yung public hearing. And pati sa akadim na maraming experts sa iba't ibang fields, hindi rin tinatanong. Ito ang kwento ni Jem, who's part of the academic and scientific community. Kasi supposedly, pag nagkaroon ng consultation, you present all the facts, including the assessments. Tinignan ko yung stakeholders doon, wala man lang from the academic institution. Uh, I was even looking for Department of Science and Technology. Bakit kaya? Wala doon. So, in other words, if you are talking about decisions that is science and evidence-based, hindi mo makikita doon sa consultation kasi yung stakeholders doon from the academe and from the science community is lacking. Buti na lang Mayan yung sa case ng Dumaguete City, nag-inay talaga ang academic community kasama yung environmental groups, fishermen, and residents against reclamation. Yung local government kasi nila noong 2019, nabigyan ng clearance for a smart city reclamation project. So dito, magtatayo ng commercial at residential areas with malls, condos, hospitals, business hubs, at docking ports for a yacht club. Aware kasi sila sa samot-saring negative effects na mararamdaman nila kung hindi sila magsasalita. Like yung danger to the marine life and habitat, lalo na tatama to sa mga ecosystems sa dapat protektahan. Para sa kanila, importante man ang development, hindi dapat ito at the expense of the environment and the livelihood of vulnerable stakeholders. Iba-iba rin naman ang definition natin ng development eh. Yun nga eh, wala naman dapat pala isipan. Pwede tayo mag-develop at the same time protect the environment. Yeah, doon sa aming ginawang benefit-cost analysis sa Manila Bay, ang isang naging result namin, turns out na talagang there is that opportunity actually for optimizing decisions in terms of reclamations. So, ang proposition on is situate reclamation in areas where there is corresponding benefits ng reclamation and then yung areas where there are benefits ng restoration should be left as restoration areas and uh, rehabilitated. In other words, there should be a balance between where to locate reclamation and where not to pursue reclamation. So, to summarize, kayang-kayang ibalanse ang development at environmental protection. Piliin natin saan yung least destructive place para magreclaim. I-assess natin based on the costs and benefits. Although, ayun nga, may issue kasi on how to take into account yung mga factors tulad ng environment, heritage, culture, at iba pa because they definitely have value. Kailangan lang at ang challenge ay lagyan sila ng monetary amount. Yes, Mayan, at may development namang sustainable. 
yung nami-meet ang needs ng population ngayon, but also thinking about the needs of the future generations. Importante ma-preserve yung environment ngayon kasi hindi na madaling ibalik kapag nasira or nawala ang natural resources natin. To end this episode and this season of Tackling Economics and Governance in the Philippines, we'd like to highlight again some of the elements of good governance. Yung nakikinig sa publiko, transparent, responsive sa needs ng mga tao, inclusive, at syempre, sumusunod sa rule of law. In sum, ang gobyerno ay dapat umaaksyon upang ma-uplift tayong lahat the best way it can. Muli, ako si Mayan Vital. Ako naman si Cherine Madriaga. You've been listening to the Usapang Econ Podcast, sponsored by Open Society Foundations and powered by Puma Podcast. I-follow ang Usapang Econ Podcast sa Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you visit. Sundan nyo rin kami sa aming blog sa usapangecon.com. I-like and i-follow nyo rin kami sa Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at LinkedIn. Maaari rin kayong mag-subscribe sa aming YouTube channel. Salamat sa audio editor ng episode na ito na si Joe Sancedo at sa producer namin na si Macy Hobbit. Salamat din kay Jem Castillo sa Panayam. Kung nagustuhan niyo ang episode na ito, please share it with a friend. Dahil ang economics ay para sa lahat. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.